0: On episode 538 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Michelle Siger and discuss her book, The Joy Choice, how to finally achieve lasting changes in eating and exercise. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 538. If you decided you're ready to make a change, to reclaim your health and fitness. The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI-certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. If you know you can't sustain another year of sliding down the aging curve, weight gain, body aches and pain, no drive. If you're ready to see your energy and confidence go up, 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 and you want to build a sustainable lifestyle that helps you be the best you you can be, then you should check out Be Fit for Task. 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Inside BFFT, I work with you to develop the mindset needed to lose weight and keep it off, build up your fitness safely so you can be who you need to be, put together the right for you strategies and tactics, have accountability to stick with it, and create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. I'll be like the headlights on your car and the rumble bumps on the side of the road to keep you on your road to wellness day or night. And at the end of our six weeks together, you'll have more energy, be stronger and healthier. And yes, you'll have lost weight. But more importantly, you'll have the skills and tools you need to keep going, to be fit for task, to live the life you're meant to live. Imagine how amazing that's going to feel. Apply at 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT and we'll get on a discovery call to make it happen. 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Hey, Raz. Hey, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are things up good. there?
1: Really good. You know, um really proud to announce my son just graduated from college. He's got a uh, job lined up with General Motors, which we're very proud and excited for him. And so this month, we're working on finding him an apartment to live in, and he'll be about fledged in another <laughs> month or so. So right. we're pretty excited to be one step closer to that empty nesters part
0: of our lives. And congratulations for him! Thank and you. Because I know Thank you. as a parent these days, you're you're engaged. Uh, yes, you know, I am. When they're, when they're going <laughs> through the college uh, years. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty happy to be done with that, Bill. I'll tell you that right now, <laughs> and he is too. Yep, he's very excited to be done with college and starting this next next chapter of his life, and we're
0: very proud. That's cool. So, how well, are things with you? Well, uh, we had a uh, a new house guest uh, come in, uh, a howler monkey. <laughs> oh my goodness! And so this howler monkey. We're we're about two miles away from where any of the howler monkeys would would hang out. I mean,
1: wow. Th-
0: there's there's not. I I've never heard or seen a howler monkey this far into town. I, I've heard huh. stories now, of course. Once once it happens, like oh well, this happened a few years ago, kind of thing. <laughs> but no, this dude was literally coming across the wires, and uh, of course, Buster has to defend the habitat. So wow. he's barking like crazy, trying to get to this monkey. I'm trying to keep him away from the monkey and just try to figure out, okay, how do I get the monkey to shoe or go away? But I, you know, I don't want him to also don't want him to get hurt. I don't want him to get hit mm-hmm. by a car. And so many different things going through my head. And then all of a sudden the monkey zap touched a wire they weren't supposed to touch
1: oh, and no.
0: just fell. And oh so this is God. from like the second story. This is pro- probably, I would say a good, 25 feet drop and just lands on pavement. I hear spack when he hit the ground. And then so nice. I run over there, he's stunned. I take a picture and I go online. Uh, I message, uh, tag the guy that I, that does our local um, humane society kind of stuff, you know, he's mm-hmm. called pa- Papagato. And so he, he gets, he brings a woman over, but before he gets over there and really, before I get my post all the way done and go back out, this, monkeys woke up goes across the street and climbs up an almond tree and so he's up in the tree so papagato goes and gets his trap we put a couple bananas in there and we set the trap up well the monkey stayed in that tree for uh, almost two whole days
1: oh my gosh
0: uh stayed overnight and then it was late the next afternoon that he he finally i guess got climbed down and just took off because i didn't see him slip out um, I, 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 would go out there every couple hours and check on him just to see if he was in the tree. He, he would move from side to side. So I knew he was generally okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow or another, he, we came down, he just ignored the, the bananas we had out there for him and they just took off. And so hopefully wow. he's going to be okay. He'll find his way back uh, sure. where he needs to be. Uh, you know, I hear these, these male monkeys will get kicked out of their troop and then they just have to go find a place mm-hmm. to be. That's not where their troops at because that they're not welcome there anymore. So I think he just strayed and got mm-hmm. himself on the wrong side of town. And
1: <laughs> Oh my goodness. And then he, What an adventure. And
0: then he got shocked. Uh, and it was so interesting because we had a guest uh, up there on the balcony when this was all happening and he's just looking around like, Oh my God, what's going on here. And then all right. of a sudden the monkey gets electrocuted and He's oh. messaging his wife and his daughter. said, don't come back yet. Don't come back yet. Oh. You don't want to see this.
1: Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> but oh my I gosh. thought the monkey
0: was done. I mean, when it hit that concrete and it had been electrocuted, I thought, oh, that poor monkey. Wow. But he was able to climb up the tree and spend a day up there or so and and you know, kind Good. of, us, I guess, heal a little and then decide it was time for him to move on because there was no water on that land where he was. So mm. it was, he was going to need to go somewhere to get just to get water. But um mm-hmm. Wow, what a crazy. Interesting weekend. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Holy cow. All right. Well, are you ready to talk to uh, Dr. Segar? Sure. Our guest today is an award-winning NIH-funded sustainable behavior change researcher at the University of Michigan and a lifestyle coach. For nearly three decades, she has pioneered methods to create sustainable, healthy behavior change that are being used to boost patient health employee well-being and gym membership retention. Inaugural chair of the United States National Physical Activity Plans Communication Committee, former director of the University of Michigan Sharp Center and consultant to companies like Kaiser Permanente, Walmart, and Anytime Fitness. She is frequently interviewed in major media outlets like the New York Times, NPR Prevention, Real Simple, and the Wall Street Journal. With no further ado, Here's Dr. Michelle Seeger. Dr. Seeger, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness.
2: It's great to be here.
0: Now, I'm going to say joy is one of my favorite words. Um, And I have a question that's going to come up later about wellness, and and it includes happiness. But after I wrote the book and after I've asked this question uh, hundreds of times, I kind of wish I'd used the word joy instead of happiness, because I think that's really the word I was after. Uh, So your book is called The Joy Choice how to finally achieve lasting changes in eating and exercise. And, you know, I think anybody that's tried to change one or both of those knows it might be the most challenging thing they've ever done. I know for me it was. And um, while I didn't call it the joy choice at the time, most of what you're talking about here, it just resonates with me very, very well because it was effectively what took me over eight years of trial and error to figure out. And they can get this book and get a lot of the details of of how to do it in a much shorter time.
2: It's, you know, the reason why so many people haven't figured it out yet, and that it might have taken you eight years is because we've been, we've been taught an opposite approach that really gets in our way. It, it clouds and contaminates our thinkings and our emotions about, about eating and exercise and really derails what we're hoping to achieve. So that's why it's so hard. And it's not people's fault. I mean, I think the biggest thing is for people to really understand it's not their fault. It's because the whole formula that we've been taught, not the whole, the, the majority of what we've been taught over the last three to four decades has been based on science, but it hasn't necessarily been based on how we can best sustain a behavior within our complicated lives.
0: Yeah, and, and you got into some of the science on that, which was fascinating. You know, and, and we've seen it in other areas of you know I have in, in health and fitness where they'll they'll take one study. And they'll say okay this is this is the study and then we're gonna we're gonna drive everything else off of this one study uh, and the one I'm talking about in particular that was in your book was you were talking about how long it takes to build a habit um, and and granted you know we can say it's okay based on that study 66 days uh, potentially uh, but the the standard deviations in the <laughs> the for someone, it was two weeks. And for someone else, it was almost a whole year. Uh, on average, okay, 66 days. <laughs> and we drive a lot of our the way we approach this on a study like that. Uh, so it's no wonder that you're not one of the people that happens to be on the right end of the 66 days. Uh, it might take you longer. It might take you a different approach, which is what you get into with the Joy Choice.
2: You know, I'm not sure that's even the most strategic question that we could be asking to focus on, you know, how long is it going to take me to form an automatic habit? You know, as you know, from the book, there's a lot of concerns I have about um, telling people that they should be forming habits for healthy eating exercise. And I'm sure we're going to get into that in a little bit, but the idea is that, um, the pro focusing on the process instead of the outcome, what it- what do I need to do consistently to actually be able to stick with this long-term? That's focusing on the process. That's that's the goal. That's what's going to get us where we want to go. So that's really, the, that's the question we should be asking is what do I need to do? What is most likely to get in my way? And what can I do to overcome or prevent those things?
0: Yeah. And we definitely will get into that. Uh, there was a concept you had in the book that I I thought was brilliant, uh, and it's called the motivation bubble. And I, I, the reason I think that it's great is because I think when someone actually understands this concept, it's like, oh, that happens to me every single day. <laughs> you know, it's not just every single time I try to lose weight or every time I try to start an exercise, exercise. program. You know, I, I build this motivation bubble. Um, that bubble pops as soon as something gets around it, you know, and we've got these, can you talk about the motivation bubble and why and how that, you know, cause we, we, we go it, we go in with the best of intentions yes. and we're excited.
2: Right. Well, we usually decide we're going to change our eating or start exercising more for a very specific reason, either we're excited for a trip we're going to take or that magazine cover or, you know, our doctor gave us really scary news and we start and we're in this and and, I, and we're full of motivation because we've decided we're going to do it. But the motivation is like a bubble. And as we know, bubbles are very fragile and we might blow a really big bubble, but it doesn't take much for that to bump up into anything else. Anything that bumps into it is going to burst it. And so, if we, this is how we've been taught to initiate behavior change in this fragile bubble of motivation without a lot of strategy, without understanding the types of things that are really going to get in our way. Um, And bubbles burst, and that's why I use it. And, you know, that analogy, you know, came organically out of an interview, um, and I've just been using it ever since.
0: Yeah. Now, there are some of us, uh, like your husband, who is able to create habits, and you can call him a habiter, is what you called him in the book. And then there's people that are not habiters, and we call them, you call them unhabiters, can you talk about those two people, and, and why is it difficult for certain individuals to be able to form habits? And other individuals might just say, "Okay, naturally, here's my habit, and I start doing it." Three weeks later, I'm just doing it every day.
2: Yeah. What's the difference? Sure. Yeah. Well, before I answer the question, I think we need to like, create the context and. What people care about is that you know, they want to they have some North Star they want to achieve, they want to be healthier, they want to have a better sense of well-being. And in order to achieve those north stars, they have to, we we want, we need sustainable behavior change. Because if you make a change and don't stick with it, you're not gonna be able to achieve those goals. So, sustainability is this fundamental thing we need, but sustainability is really the symptom of something else, and that is consistent decisions day in and day out. Now, I don't mean identical decisions. I just mean a sense of consistency in our choices that favor doing the behavior. There's a couple of ways to for, to create consistent decisions. One is through our unconscious automatic thinking, which would be via habit formation and the others through our conscious thinking. So let's pause on our conscious thinking and focus now on habit formation, which is offloading our choices to exercise or eat in certain ways to our unconscious and automatic decision-making. And let me just say, habits are great. Habit, you know, I'm thankful for my flossing habit I'm thankful um, that I have a habit to feed my dog in the morning because it will starve otherwise. So I'm thankful I don't have to think about those things, but those are very simple things. Um, And, you know, there are personality differences that I'll get into in a minute, but if we think about different behaviors, like exercise, flossing happens in the bathroom. There's not a lot that's going to get in the way or disrupt it, but when it comes to physical activity, we've got places to get to, we've got transportation, we've got potentially changes, we've got other people who whose logistics we're in charge of. We, there are so many different things that can get in the way and make it very complicated. Habit formation happens via what's called the habit loop, which is a cue for a behavior, like I brush my teeth and the cue is brushing and I automatically, without thinking, reach for the floss. I floss and then there's there's some type of reward and that Fuels a process in our brain that automates it as soon as we get that cue. Um, and again, for flossing, it's pretty simple in the bathroom, but step outside of the bathroom into the chaotic, crazy life of hubbub that many of us live, and it's that cue is gonna get disrupted. Now, getting back to your question about habitors versus unhabitors. Habitors are people like my husband and you know god bless him he lets me use him as an example there's nothing wrong Habitors are awesome and i love them dearly but what's most important is that we understand which we tend to be and a habiter tends to be someone who is very disciplined who um has a very organized schedule that doesn't lend itself to a lot of disruption and, and that makes it easier to form habits, even for complex behaviors like exercise. But unhabitors, and I happen to be one of those, I, you know, one of the, the, the lucky many millions, I think more people are, have, are unhabitors because unhabitors tend to be less organized. We tend to have more hubbub in unexpected in our lives. We may manage many people's lives and pets, and um, whether at home or at work. And so there's a lot of room for the unanticipated to just fly in and disrupt any habit loop that we might be trying to create. So that's the big difference. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, the way I like to talk to people about it, I'm saying a lot of it's gonna depend on how you do your self-awareness. And as you sit down with your self-awareness, understanding, okay, am I the kind of person who can get into a Porsche and get this done. And I've got no disruptions. I got nothing in the road in front of me. It's a straight road and I can just haul versus someone who's now got kids and other things. So now I'm driving in a minivan and i can't go as fast and the road's curved and maybe there's a whole lot of road construction and school zones and everything else going on in our lives it's going to keep us from getting as far as fast and understanding that then allows you to take the approach one with patience understanding that your life is not completely 100% in your control which is what the joy choice really when it comes down to it is where the real value comes in is okay i don't have to super manage my life i don't have to worry about that i'm in a sports car i can be in my minivan and be very happy with the progress that i'm making and and so that, that's kind of the way i i put where i'm at the way i like to approach this with what you're talking about is once we know who we are it's a lot easier to make some decisions and then once we know how to approach it we make better decisions
2: it's you know what it's about fit and match and let's step outside of exercise and healthy eating just for a minute. And let's think about what other areas in our lives we know that, or we learn that we're fit is so important. You know, we might, when we're younger, you know, want to date and and, and pick the raciest, you know, coolest person. But when it comes down to who we want to spend the rest of our life with, That person might have very different characteristics to fit us. Or if we think about schools, you know, the fit with who we are and what kind of learning um, context, teaching um, we need will determine whether we have a successful and a positive experience. So it's the same when it comes to changing our behavior. Are the strategies we're trying to use a fit with who we are in personality and, and our life context, or are they not, but we haven't been taught to ask that question.
0: Yeah. Now in the book, you talk about the decision disruptors and you, and you use the acronym trap. Um, I love acronyms too um, because they help us remember some things. And and these are really important because if you can recognize these traps then you're you're in a much better place because so many times these traps get us. And by the time we recognize that we've gone off the trail, our, our motivation bubble has popped. Um, and that day is effectively in our minds ruined. Before we ruin our day, uh, if we catch ourselves in that moment, which is we'll get into the pop in a minute, but we start with understanding where the traps are. Can you talk about what trap stands for and what these potential disruptors are?
2: Yes and I call them decision disruptors because what this book is about is what we really haven't been taught for the most part and what to do when our healthy eating or exercise plan bumps up with an unexpected conflict because the societal dogma has been all or nothing thinking, which really, if, you're, if your plan is disrupted, the only alternative in that paradigm or that binary is nothing. And so people do nothing. And so the goal of the book is to help people at those challenges, those choice points, those momentary decisions about what to do. And so Things that disrupt those decisions that tend to be internal in our heads that we might not be aware of are temptation, rebellion, um, accommodation, and perfection. And while these traps are active and often they're often unconscious, so as you know, one of my favorite quotes of all times that has to do with this is from Dan Siegel. And he says, "Name it to tame it. So if we can name the trap that is staring us in the face, we can really remove a great deal of its power um, to control our decisions, which is what we're focused on in the book. So the first one is temptation. And temptation is just this visceral feeling we have to, we want that chocolate cake. It is in front staring us down, it's seducing us or, while wow, the couch and that beer is calling us to, you know, watch more you know, something on Netflix. right now we're watching um the good place, which is really funny. Um, th- so temptation we all when we hear that word, we know what it means. But what we might not know is what the what new theories based on how our brain works propose, and that is that, our, it's our past experiences with the chocolate cake and the couch and the beer that is really exerting pull over us. It's not what's in front of us, it's our history of past memories of participating in these activities and what it felt like and what it sounded like and the emotions we had and the people we were with. And when we understand that, then we can name it. Oh, that isn't just that chocolate frosting glistening in the light. It's how I felt when my mom made it for my birthday every year. And when we can notice that, I mean, I already know you started off this conversation with self-awareness. Self-awareness is... You know, it is what people need to be able to notice those things. And so when we understand how the brain works when it comes to these temptation choice points, then we are much more empowered to take charge and not succumb to something that we might not want to succumb to. So do you want me to go to the second one? Please, please. Okay. So the second very common disruptor that I've seen in my coaching clients is rebellion. And I, in my last interview, the podcaster asked me, well, like, why would people rebel against something that they themselves have have planned to do? Well, there's a really great reason why. And the reason is because we have been socialized to initiate an eating plan or to start a new uh, exercise uh, regimen out of shoulds, because we think we should do it, because our doctor told us to, because our company told us to, because we think we're overweight, whatever the reason. And when we initiate a behavior change out of that mentality, which is the most common way actually to initiate a change in this area, it makes us feel like we're not free to choose the things we want to choose. And it's human nature and theory support this that human beings are motivated to reclaim their freedom when they feel like it's been taken away. So if you think you can't have pizza because it's not on your eating plan, well, guess what we're motivated to do? We're motivated to say, screw you plan. I'm going to have it anyway. So that's rebellion. I bet you've seen that a lot in your work. Is that?
0: I I do. I actually want to, my, my, my very first client, was, was doing great seeing results. Everything was wonderful. I was excited. She was telling me these wonderful stories or interactions with her granddaughter. And I was thinking, okay, she's on a really great track. So she's experiencing the benefits of what's going on. And, you know, things she had told me before, she hates exercise and, and, and everything. And I'm like, well, you know, we're going to do some, and we're going to do, and, and so we were going along. And I think similar to the way you'd said in the book, it's like, when she started rebelling and then disappeared, it was my fault. It really wasn't her fault. I should have recognized early on that she was starting to struggle with the shoulds, even though she was seeing the benefits. I was focused on the benefits and thinking this has to motivate her when the reality was she was having an internal conflict with the shoulds and eventually just realized I, I was the, I was the bad guy, if you will, of, of the shoulds. And every time she thought of me or thought about being on the phone with me, there was a should that kept coming out and that was too much pressure on her. And so she just decided to rebel and disappear, yeah. um, ghost me. And because we weren't and like, you know, again, not a family member or friend or somebody I was close to when she decided to ghost me. Um, she's gone. I think the one that you talked about was more on the perfection side, but I think as a coach, I should have recognized the warning signs. And now having read your book, seeing this trap, listening to what my clients are telling me and understanding, Hey, um, you know, you don't have to do this. You're not, there's no shoulds here. Let's talk about it. And let's see how we can get past this, this trap because I missed it.
2: You know, we until we recognize it, we all miss it because we haven't been taught to to name it and categorize it. And I want to say, you know, something that people, that coaches and personal trainers are doing is having their clients take the trap quiz on my website and then going over it with them to see, oh, is rebellion one of your traps? Yes or no? Is it is it temptation? And, and it can be a diagnostic for a coach to use with their clients. Um, I've personally found it really helpful. Um, but let's move on to the next trap, which is accommodation. And this one is a little counterintuitive. People don't think about this as... as Intuitively, as they would think about rebellion um, or temptation. And it basically refers to whenever we come up against the needs of someone else or work needs, we just instinctively, unconsciously drop what we had planned to do for our physical activity or our healthy eating because we say to ourselves, and again, this most of this stuff has to do with self talk um, or unconscious. Processes that we're not aware of, we're just like, oh, I have to join the celebration. I'm going to forget about my plan. I don't even want to eat that cupcake, but if I don't eat it, it's going to hurt their feelings. And so that's accommodation for eating, where you just kind of decide my my what I've been doing doesn't matter. I just need to be in the celebration with everyone. Now the reality is, there's a ton of ways you can participate in the celebration if you don't have all or nothing thinking. Um, But if you do, then it's, it's, their only option is eat the cupcake. Um, And from an exercise perspective, we see this a lot. And I'm sure you see this all the time when people have some kind of plan to exercise and, you know, our work needs, our email inbox, like those just, we can't, those urgent things are non-urgent, but Mounting things never go away. And so, if we always feel that what our work is more important than our own walk or self care, then we're letting accommodation get in the way. And, you know, I want to say people assume that people like you and me, who might be proponents of active lifestyles and self care, that we don't struggle at all with these issues. But, you know, I know I do all the time. And this is. Been a hugely busy time with the book launch. And, you know, I have had to consciously make joy choices day in and day out about my walking because I have a lot more to do right now. And so I, I'm sure you experienced that too.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the interesting thing as we went through the traps. I was like, okay, well, yeah, that happened. Uh, so temptation got me. And then, oh, yeah, accommodation, perfection. Uh, I had a hard time finding examples of rebellion for myself. I just, as Uh I kind of looked through, I said, okay, and I haven't taken your quiz. So I'm Uh I'm interested as soon as we get off this call, I'm probably logging in and taking the quiz. (laughs) But uh, the accommodation was a big one because what I found was um, I wanted to work out every afternoon during my lunch hour. And so I would just had it in my mind that that as soon as I took my lunch, that was when I was going to go to the gym. Invariably, uh, a meeting would get scheduled. uh, My boss would call. Uh, something would be going on a report. I got, I have to get out today, something I've got to get done. And so I would say, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just do this instead. And then that day I skip my workout. And what I finally found was, okay, what I have to do if I want this to happen is I, I literally have to block out my calendar as if that's the most important meeting of my day. It's with my boss, myself, but it's with my boss now, my, my real boss, me, and it's not something I can cancel. And so when I made that a a non-negotiable meeting on my calendar, no one else could book a meeting. Uh, Coming up about a half an hour before that meeting, I actually turned my email off. So I wasn't hearing the ding, 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 ding leading up to that hour. And, And then when my hour was up, I put my clothes on and I go, and maybe my boss, my work boss would call. And so I'd say, okay, what do you need? He's like, come on up to my office. I was walking up to his office in my workout clothes. And he's like, what's going on? It's like, well, I was on my way to the gym. Here I am. What do you need? He said, well, I need this. I'm like, okay, well, I need an hour to get my workout done. And then I'll have it over to you. He's like, cool. And now would I have done that before? No, because I didn't have the awareness, the self-awareness that I was letting that accommodation trap happen until I realized, okay, I keep missing workouts because I'm accommodating these other things. And I, again, I didn't have a label for it exactly, but I just understood that if I didn't take that time back, I would always lose it.
2: And and, you know what the book would address in that scenario is let's say you walked upstairs to talk to your, your work boss and what he needed you to do was going to take 25 minutes and you had another meeting, you know, on the hour that was going to, that you had to take. So the joy so the alternative is that instead of saying oh i didn't get that hour in it, it, what else can i do in the 35 minutes that i have left you know i can't go to the gym like i planned to or because i'm not going to get all sweaty so that's what we're trying to help people learn is how do you navigate in flexible ways, that unexpected thing that did cut into your hour, despite your great strategies of blocking off that time in your calendar, right?
0: Yeah. Now, the last one you had was perfection. And I actually think, well, I know for myself, this one, this one's the one, Uh, if I can, if I could have solved this one, it probably wouldn't have taken me eight years to figure this all out. Um, Because a lot of us suffer from this. And in many cases, it's the perfection trap that then really almost sets off everything else. I mean, all the other traps happen because we're already caught in the perfection trap.
2: Yeah. No, you, you know, you couldn't, I'm smiling really big right now because you couldn't have said it more perfectly. Perfection is the most common one. It's what our society has taught us socialized, indoctrinated us to do. And it does set the stage because if perfection is the bar. Then of course you're going to rebel and eat the whole piece of cake because there's no in between. You're going to succumb to temptation because you can't have it. You can't have it. And then you're going to rebel against that darn diet anyway. So perfection, you are right. I call it, it's so big. I call it a dragon. It's the all or nothing dragon. And we have literally been so. It is. It's not our fault. We have all-or-nothing thinking or perfectionistic approaches because the society. Our society has evolved in a way to taught to teach us, but that is the old behavior change story. It's outdated. It misguides many of us. And the great news is, is the new science offers us a whole new. Um, story of behavior change and, and it will have a happy ending because it's based on what a body of science shows work. And I don't want to, you know, leap into the solution because you're guiding me along, but you know, it, perfection is the old story of behavior change and it is outdated.
0: Yeah. Now with perfection. And I think this is really where the breakdown of all this comes together is everybody believes that the reason they're failing is because they lack self-control, you know? Uh, and regardless, it's almost as if, okay, well, if I had more self-control, I wouldn't fall for these traps, but that's, that's not really the case because we don't have a a lack of self-control. It's not a failure. As you mentioned earlier, it's like, we're not broken. We're wired the way we're wired. Um, and it's not that we need more self-control we just need to go into what you call the choice points with our with our head up and being aware
2: that's exactly right we we need to understand that the choice point right now and right now and right now is the place of power because they accumulate over time and that's why the imperfect, the perfect, imperfect choice or option is the solution because right now we might make a choice that's imperfect, but it it keeps us on the path. And the next now we might hit the bullseye, but the next five, we might make another perfectly imperfect choice, but we're still staying consistent. And that reinforces itself and keeps us getting the benefits over time that continuously reinforce why we're doing it in the first place.
0: Yeah. So the approach that you take the, to do the, um, the joy choice is called POP. Again, another acronym. Again, they'll remember this. Okay. Trap is temptation, rebellion, accommodation, perfection, and then POP is the approach that you take to get out of these traps. So you recognize the trap, but to do that, we've got to do a few things. And that's what the pop is about. The story you told in the book about one of your clients using this technique, I I think was really, really good. And I'd like to use that here. And that was the woman who decided, okay, I'm going to do a pool workout five days a week. It's going to be my bridge between my workday and my evening. And in theory, when you, when you, Say that to a personal trainer, it's like that sounds brilliant. That should work great. Until Alex got involved. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, oh, do you want yeah, me to? Yeah, yeah. Over? Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so she comes home from work. Her in-laws are visiting, and she's thrilled to enact this perfect plan. Um and she hears screaming up in the window and looks up and sees her young son crying because she is in his happy place without, without him. And he's distraught. And she's like, Oh no, like I've been gone all day, but I really want this, my time, this movement, you know, listening to my music in the pool and helping me transition from, you know, brain heavy day to heart full evening with my family. And her old way of thinking would have been either I have to choose between meeting Alex's needs, which is not being in the pool and going and getting him or going out of the pool to comfort him or, you know, uh, or fully, fully meeting his needs and dropping my pool workout. But we had had a session and she remembered that instead of letting, this is what I say, Instead of letting the circumstances or life burst your bubble, you can pop your plan. And when we say we're going to pop our plan, we are taking ownership of our thinking and the situation. And again, we are not aiming for perfection here. So, what is pop? So, what did she do? She popped her plan, and pop stands for pause. This is where she said, Oh my gosh, accommodation is staring me in the face. Alex needs me. I'm yearning to go to him, but i I know that I can name it and I can say, "Oh, this is what's happening. I have some control over it." Now let me get my attention back on the pot process. Then she oh, opened up her options and played with the options. Well, what could she do? She could take a walk after work with her family. Um, she came up with another option that I can't think of off the top of my head. Or she could bring Alex into the pool and play around, walk with him and basically do a modified pool workout with him, still getting her physical activity in and meeting Alex's needs. And of course, that was like the ding, ding, ding. And she pee, she picked the joy choice, which was staying in the pool workout to give her the transition she wanted. But instead of doing it alone, mommy time with music, she decided she would do it and be active with Alex so that she could fulfill these two different, what had been conflicting, but became, um, had a mutuality that, that she could choose. So it's, she picked the joy choice, which is what we do at the end of the pop process.
0: Right. And, and the advantage was this, and this was like kind of the added benefit that really wasn't built into her original model, but it worked was she had the in-laws get Alex ready for the pool, which gave her like five, 10 minutes to do the, the kind of the unwinding thing that she had intended to do while she was in the pool. She got her head straight, got herself that transition from work to heart and then Alex is in the pool with her. It wasn't the workout she intended, but she still got movement in, as you said, the perfect imperfect, um, and she got it done. And as a result, she was, in, she was in control, but she had to get that pause. She had to recognize the trap, and then she had to make the decision that was the right decision in the moment for her, her, her joy choice.
2: That's right. And I mean, that's the beauty of it is it, the joy choice lets us meet... The many roles and responsibilities that give our life meaning and still take care of ourselves. And there's a new definition of success. And that's another reason why it's the joy choice, because we are successful when we do something instead of nothing. And she was so proud of herself. And that was the beginning. I mean, once we do it one or two times it really does become intuitive, and we and the beauty of it is, is that once we start doing it with, you know, it, with exercise and eating, we actually can do it. I do it in all areas of my life because it's a way for me to regroup and be flexible and pick the most optimal choice for that particular challenge.
0: Yeah. Now, the ways this would apply, uh, you know, for like one with temptation, you talked about in the book how. Okay, you walk by the cafe, and you see that croissant, that chocolate-filled croissant, and it's glistening, and it's calling your name, and it's a loud voice, and you, you, you're, you're really struggling to, to walk away from this cafe, and you're about to just, you find yourself in line, um, magically, you're staying in line. And then you realize, okay, again, pause, why am I in this line? And you realize it's not the chocolate croissant. It's the last time you were at that cafe with your friend. You guys had a wonderful conversation. You had that chocolate croissant and the blend of the the moment is now in your memory. So one of your executive functions has tied into this and said, this croissant is kind of a reminder of a kind of a reliving of a, a great moment in your life. You talked about the chocolate cake your mother made. This is kind of another one of those things. Now you can recognize that this is temptation.
2: Absolutely. And when we recognize that, we it puts it in perspective. It takes away its, you know, it's not the dark force that's drawing us in. I mean, if we think about eating the cake as the dark force, then we've already succumbed to it right before we ate it. So once we recognize, oh, gee, this is what's going on, this is what's going on in my brain, it's not that when we remove the tension that it's this evil thing that we shouldn't have that's off the plan or that we feel that we should do and wanna rebel against, we really put ourselves in control again of, again, it's a decision. And it doesn't mean that people will decide not to have the croissant, but they're going to do it understanding the meaning it has for them without tension, but, and they're going to make a conscious choice instead of an unconscious reaction. Or they might say, you know what? I really want that chocolate croissant for all the reasons above, but I don't need to eat the whole thing. I actually would be really satisfied and proud of myself to eat half of it, wrap the other half off, and maybe I'll have it for dessert or split it with my family after dinner, or I'll save it for the next day. It's, being, learning how to be flexible is the key to sustainability. I mean, the research clearly shows this.
0: Yeah, especially if you find that you're an unhabiter and you can't sit down and just yes. say, I'm going to do this and stick with it. If you've struggled in the past with that, it's very likely you are an unhabiter. Very, it's likely that you fall into these traps. And if you really go back and think about it, you'll start to see the patterns And you just have to stop and recognize that pause and recognize when you're repeating that pattern and make make another choice.
2: Absolutely. And it is, again, it's really important for people to recognize, am I more like Michelle's husband, Jeff, who's a habiter in all areas of his life, or am I more like Michelle and a little disorganized and a little comfortable keeping dishes in the sink and, you know, sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all these things? So self-awareness and fit is really the structure we need to set us up for success long-term.
0: And so in the tool, in the book, you you give us a lot of tools uh, as we start going through this process, because we can say it, pop and go through it. And we can talk about examples, but the reality is that you get good at this or get better at this, uh, by practice, but, you know, like
2: yeah. anything, like anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like any new thing, we need to give ourselves grace when we don't, you know, do it quote unquote as well as we hoped we would or thought we should. Anytime we learn something new, it's a learning process, you know, um, and giving ourselves grace is, And like, we should give other people grace when they're learning how to do something. That's a really important part of this too. And, um, you know, that's part of why it's the joy choice because it's all about being forgiven, forgiving. It's about being imperfect like we are honoring that and making sure that our strategies for physical activity and healthy eating match with the imperfect lives that many of us live.
0: Dr. Segar, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well?
2: I think understanding that we need self-awareness is the fundamental element. Without self-awareness, we can't know what we need. We can't know what we want. So first and foremost, we have to have the intention of becoming more self-aware. Then when we decide... Uh, that we want to do something toward our happiness or wellness. we want to make sure that what we're choosing to in that to you know embark on is the right thing at the right time. So for example, you know if someone now this is different for different people and this is why self-awareness is really key to understand this. So for example, if someone just has a baby they have a brand new newborn baby and they're like, I've got to get fit right now. They have a a newborn that's a week old that doesn't sleep through the night. And that person decides they're going to start working out, you know, every day or whatever. I would say that is probably the wrong thing at the wrong time. And the, the, the workout has to be perfect. Now, exercise is a great way to facilitate your sleep. But if you add something too grandiose on to an already overwhelming situation, so that's where fit of what we're doing when is really important. So I just want to take a step back and say, physical activity is great for new moms. It's the overarching plan that they create that would be important. And of course, walking with your newborn is a great way to be active. But that's just an example. You said, how do you do it? You want to make sure that what you're doing is the right thing for the right time. And then the third thing is, I think considering whatever you're doing as a process of learning, where you're going to, one day you're going to have a couple steps forward. You're going to ha- you're going to hit the bullseye. And the other days you might have to make joy choices and that the goal isn't perfection. It's staying on the path through doing something instead of nothing.
0: Great. Thank you. Uh, if someone wanted to learn more about you, learn more about the book, The Joy Choice, where would you like for me to send them?
2: Well, the book should be everywhere. Um, so they can go to their local bookstore. They can get it online through um, um, booksellers online. If they want to take the quiz or learn more about the book, they can go to my website, which is michelleseeker.com.
0: Awesome. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 538, and I'll be sure to have links there. Dr. Seeger, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness.
2: Thanks for having me. It was really fun to talk with you.
0: Me too. Thank you. Welcome back, Raz.
1: Hey, Alan. What an interesting conversation you had. There's a couple of things I'd like to talk about, but first, I'd like to talk about setting or creating habits. It sounds like it's um, still a good thing to do, but not everybody's able to create habits quite as easily as everyone else.
0: Yeah, there there are people that you know they decide they want to do something. Uh, they're going to start taking a multivitamin, or they're mm-hmm. going to, you know change change something the way they do something, uh, and then pretty easily after that, they're just they're just doing it. They're not even thinking about it anymore. Um, and that t- for most people, for a lot of people, works fairly well if you do mm-hmm. it long enough. Um, and it's different for everybody. You may have heard numbers out there like 21 days or 66 days or, or whatever. And the reality is that the science is out that's out there. While there was an average of 66 days to make a, a, a an action automatic uh, or feel automatic, where you weren't thinking about doing it, you just you just did it. Um, mm-hmm. 66 was the average, but the the spread on that was really really wide. Some people less than two weeks other Mm -hmm. people almost a year. And so, you know, you you can't just say 66 days, but for a lot of people, if you get to doing a simple thing over and over Mm -hmm. and over, eventually it just becomes a habit. You know, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you put the coffee on, you walk the dog, you know, Mm there's the simple things that are become like a ritual and you do them. Yep. But the big caveat, It really only works for simple things. When you want to do something like food prep or something like that, that's, that's a whole series of actions, Mm -hmm. uh, then, then you have to go deeper than a habit because a habit's not going to get, get you there like that. Um, there are habiters, you know, like she said, like her husband, that once they start doing something, it does. So if Mm -hmm. you're doing Sunday meal prep, uh, Saturday grocery shop, maybe Sunday morning grocery shop, and then Sunday meal prep. Yeah. That can become like a normal thing on your schedule. Uh, Mm -hmm. that you get to doing and, and feel like a habit, but, uh, most of us are not going to feel comfortable that that's an automatic thing. And then anything that gets in the way pop, you know, we're, we're, we're out of it. And we may not even go back the next Sunday and do it because, you know, we stopped (laughs) doing it the Sunday before. Mm
1: -hmm. That's a good point. Which brings me to the other thing that I think is more useful is that TRAPS acronym that she had for the decision disruptors. And the reason why that was such a light bulb moment, I love the phrase decision disruptors, because we are all trying to make good decisions. We're trying to eat healthy and, and, and be active and stuff, but just things tend to get in the way and her acronym of traps kind of outlines some of those things, some of those reasons why it's hard for us to stick or make these better choices.
0: Yeah. You know, like the, the temptation one uh, is fairly common and you'll see this. So so you go to work and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a a vendor brings donuts, right? You know, (laughs) and you had no intention of eating the donuts, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're even doing a a intermittent fasting. So you haven't eaten since dinner and you weren't going to eat until lunch. And you walk in the break room and there's those donuts
1: Mm, and -hmm. you find
0: yourself grabbing one of the donuts without really even thinking about it.
1: Right. And and
0: there you are. The rebellion is one that I don't see as often, but I see it from Mm -hmm. time to time. Accommodation is, is probably one of the most important ones because it's something that, uh, you know, particularly women who Mm -hmm. are caregivers to their children, um, Mm -hmm they take priority, you know, taking them to soccer practice, picking them up from dance and just Mm -hmm. shuttling your kids around uh, burns up so much of your time that it's really, really hard to take time for yourself. And -hmm. then unfortunately, I think a lot of women will feel guilty. Yes. Taking that time away, you know, I want to go for a run, but that's, you know, 45 minutes that I, you know, I'm not here with my child. Yes, you know, yep. um, mom. Mom, guilt is strong, yeah, and it's a, and it's definitely a driver
1: in a lot of our decisions. But what I tell people is, um, I tell people you can't fill from an empty cup. You need to take the time for yourself and take care of yourself before you can care up, care for others um, adequately. But yeah, I can I can definitely see that one, yeah. and the last one she had being perfection. Ooh, that's <laughs> a big one too.
0: Yeah, you know. She's absolutely right there because so many of us are, are all or none. Yes. And, and, you know, and I'll admit, I, you know, when I, when I learn about myself, when I I think about myself and I've done that self-awareness thing that I had to do, um, I recognize though that, yeah, I I do pretty much have to be all on Mm -hmm. or I'm, I'm off. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, I need to push towards that, but it also creates, those, those other problems. So, you know, and I've worked with people like this. I have a client right now that's going through some of this and, Mm -hmm. you know, he wants to eat keto, Mm -hmm. but this is going on. This child's graduated from this, or that one's going here. And, and Mm -hmm. you know, there's this party that he has to go to. And so he finds himself off keto Mm-hmm. And it just creates this this cycle of and, and unfortunately guilt, which he shouldn't feel. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you know, we we villainize food. And so we feel like we've let ourselves down if mm-hmm. we are not perfect. And the reality is if we know that perfect isn't possible. Right. <laughs> you know, it, particularly for us, you know, it's like something's gonna come up. I can't think of a year that I've gone through that there wasn't a holiday or a birthday.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's always something, isn't there? <laughs> you
0: know. Uh yeah. and so at some point, you know, you're you're gonna go to a party. Yeah. Or go to dinner, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh at some point somebody's going to bring donuts to the break room, you know, and mm-hmm. you're gonna end up eating one. Um that's fine. The, the the point that she was getting at was don't let that be what beats you.
1: Right. You know,
0: the joy choice her book, it's about finding your path where you feel good Mm -hmm. about your decisions. And so if you can get rid of that concept that, that these are bad foods and good Mm -hmm. foods, and I Mm -hmm. eat a bad food, um, then, then you kind of get to where this is all at. And, um, we're going to have another guest on in a few weeks. And, uh, his name is Alan Aragon and, uh, he's got an excellent book as well. And it goes really deep into some of these things concepts uh, of ways that you can look at just doing better than you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he talks about um, this um, concept of um, discretionary calories. And so, if you can, you know, so in his mind, the way he puts it together is if you're eating your calorie level, then Mm -hmm. it's okay if up to 20% of your total calories is coming from stuff that you would put in a bad food list. Sure. So if you decide, okay, I want to have a Coca-Cola and you're like, okay, that's sugar. I don't need that sugar. But <laughs> I can mm-hmm. fit that, I can fit that in my calories
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the day. And because I know I'm getting good nutrition otherwise, my eight, that 80%, then I know, okay, I, I can have the Coke,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and still stay under my calories. Yeah. Then that's fine. And so yeah. you know, it's just Trying to get away from the perfect um, right. is really, really important. So looking for tools, looking for things mm-hmm. that are going to help you just kind of go through this. And then, that you know, and it's hard. Don't get me wrong. This is probably the hardest thing to do because it's the mindset of change. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, different things we talked about in, in this interview, uh, there's even more in the book those tools cool. and things that you can do. So uh, I encourage anyone that's struggling with mindset, struggling with this this willpower, motivation, habit stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good book because it's it's just down to earth stuff. It's science-based. So, I mean, she did go back into the science, you know, looked it up. But uh, at the same time, it kind of gives you a, a way to get through this without, without feeling like you've failed every single time. Mm-hmm. You're not on plan.
1: That's wonderful. That sounds like a really useful book. And I love that it offers tools to help people get through these really tough traps, like she had mentioned, and, yeah. and these other tough situations. I think that's fantastic.
0: All right. Well, Rachel, I'll talk to you next week. Great. Take care. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Kami Haas and discuss his book, If Your Mouth Could Talk, an in-depth guide to oral health and its impact on your entire life. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.